it's a good thing for us to be together. We are blessed. And um, I know that whether you're joining us in person or uh, via the, the, the wonders of modern technology, you are just as happy to be here as we are. Um, we are in Philippians this morning. We've been going through a study of Philippians that we're calling No Matter What. And uh, we will be in Philippians chapter 3. Uh, if you want to go ahead and be turning there. But before we begin, I'd like us to bow in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for all that you give us and all that you bless us with. Thank you for allowing us to come here this morning. Thank you for allowing us to have your word, to hear from you. Lord, touch our hearts. May your spirit convict us. May your spirit speak to us through your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. He dipped his hand into the icy waters and, and took it up and took a drink. A cool drink because the water was ice cold. It was refreshing, not just because of his thirst, but because of what this water represented. This water represented the fruition of a 15-month journey. 15 months, over a year of his life, had been spent trying to get to this moment. They had left of, of back-breaking, upstream slogging to get to this stream. Meriwether Lewis had endured nervous nights, sleeping in a strange land. He had endured more and larger mosquitoes than he had ever seen in his life. He had endured a brutal, cold winter, grizzly bears, a, a, a month-long detour to get around a giant waterfall, and the death of a companion. And now he was here. And, and Lewis and a small scouting party had gone on ahead of the rest of the Corps of Discovery to try to, to connect with the Shoshone tribe. And, and as they had worked their way up, they made their way to, to this spring. This spring was itself the source of the mighty Missouri River. This water, this little trickle, would gain and flow all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. They had found what no person of European descent had ever seen before. And the most challenging part of their journey was over, so he thought. Because for over 300 years, explorers of as many as five sovereign nations had been trying desperately to find the water route that would connect the Pacific Ocean to the Mississippi River. Everybody knew it was there. Scientists were convinced that there was a, a water route that conveyed from the Mississippi all the way out to the Pacific Ocean. The, the politicians were convinced that it was there. And, and if they could just find it, the world leaders had, had sent uh, team after team after team to try to find that water route, that northwest passage. Because whoever controlled that route would control trade in North America. It would be like being the sole owner of the internet today. This was so important that the Spanish had sent at least two war parties to try to kill Lewis and Clark and their group. There, there was, the, the French had been here for years, the, the English were up in what is now Canada, the, the Spanish were down in the southwest corner, and all of them were looking for this water route. Thomas Jefferson, president, had commissioned 
Lewis and Clark himself and their core of discovery for just this moment. He had declared that they would be the ones to find the Northwest Passage, the water route that everyone knew existed and would ensure the prosperity of this young nation. For Meriwether Lewis, quenching his thirst from this stream meant that he was about to realize his dream. His name would forever be enshrined with all the great explorers of all time. Because he would forever be known as one of those who found the fabled Northwest Passage. He believed that as he, as he left this spring, he would walk up this hill... And as he crested this hill, he would see a gentle slope where the water flowed out through pastures, through plains, into the Pacific Ocean. He and his men would put their canoes that they had carried on their backs uphill through streams and, and mountains and hills to get to this manor. And they would put their canoes and just coast all the way to the Pacific Ocean. What Lewis found when he topped that hill was that 300 years of scientists and politicians had been absolutely wrong. What he found when he topped that hill was not a gentle slope into a cascading river. It was the Rocky Mountains. Peak after snow-covered peak was what he saw. One of the sergeants, Sergeant John Ordway, who was in the Corps of Discovery, was quoted as saying, they were the most terrible mountains I have ever beheld. What do you do in that moment? In that moment where everything you believed, everything that you were holding on to, everything that you'd given your life to, you find out in one fell swoop is wrong. What do you do? That's what Paul is talking about in Philippians 3. Paul has come to that moment, he's describing it in his life, that he came to that moment when he realized that everything that he had devoted his life to, everything that was important, everything that he had based his trust in was wrong. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. That moment Paul came to when he realized it was all rubbish, it was all garbage, it was all junk. Everything that he had believed, everything that he had hoped for, everything that he had given his life to was garbage. I told you last week that there is absolutely nothing you can do to deserve the immeasurable worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Nothing. No matter how much you attend church, no matter how good you are, no matter how many good works you do, no matter how many good things you do, because all our righteousness of our own is rubbish, garbage. Now, people ask me this week, 
So what's the point? Why do we do what we do? What's the point of coming to church? What's the point of, of giving to the poor? What's the point of, of reaching out to those in need? What's the point? Why do we do any of this? And that's a good question. Read verse 12 again. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I had a gentleman tell me once, and he was really mad at me at the time. I'm, I'm a Church of Christ preacher. That's part of the job description. Um, he was really mad at me, and he said, uh, there is absolutely nothing that you can teach me about Scripture. I've been reading this for 60 years. There's nothing new that you can say to me. Now, I was being respectful, so I didn't say what was in my head. But in my head, I was thinking of Philippians 3. And I was thinking, so you're further along than Paul. Because Paul says, I ain't got this all figured out. I have not got there. I haven't arrived. I haven't achieved my goal. But I press on. And that's the point. Look at what he says in, in that verse. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. See, just like Larry read this morning, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want you to think about your darkest moment. The, the moment that you're most ashamed of, that you feel most guilty about. Now, some people will say, well, Jeff, I grew up in the church. I don't have one of those uh, dramatic conversion stories. First of all, don't be ashamed of that. That's, that's something good. I hope my kids have your testimony one day. But we all are human, and we all have a moment we all have something that came to your mind when I said that. You all have, we, we all have something that we're ashamed of, something that we're guilty about, that dark night of the soul, so to speak. Think about that. And when you think about that, think about this. At that moment, at that precise moment in time, Christ Jesus was taking hold of you. See, we didn't do anything to deserve it. We didn't do anything to earn it. We didn't do anything to, to make us worthy. While we were still sinners, Christ took hold of us. That's why we press on. See, He took hold first. I didn't take hold first. He took hold of me first. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. But I press on to glorify Him through my living. There was a woman who was married to an abusive man, an abusive husband. Not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, just uh, not a good individual. And try as she might, she could not please him. He created lists for her, lists of things that she should accomplish and no matter how hard she tried, she could never complete the list. There was always something. She would work and work and work. And no matter what she did, he would come home and scream at her and hit her because she had not fulfilled whatever these requirements were that he put on her. Every day she would try and every day she would fail. After a few years, the husband passed away. And she was alone for a time, and then she met another man. This man was gracious and kind. He loved her 
for who she was. He valued her as an individual, not for any kind of accomplishment that she could do for him. And his love began to take root in her soul. And they got married. They lived happily for many years. And one day she was cleaning out the attic, going through old boxes, tossing away things. You know how we do. And she pulled out one of those lists. And with tears in her eyes, she read, crying not because of her past, but because as she read this, she realized she was doing every single thing on that list without effort, without thinking about it. Because love is a greater motivator than fear. Love propels us to greater things than does fear. And that's why we press on. Like Meriwether Lewis in that moment, like, like Paul in that moment, Paul says, what do I do in that moment when everything that I based my life on is rubbish, everything is wrong, everything is gone, I press on. And that's what we do. When, when, when John's going to affirm this point later, and, 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 and Paul's going to say, look at, look at verse 13 as he goes on, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So what do you do when, like Meriwether Lewis, you reach this point where everything that you had based your life on is gone? You press on. When, when you feel like you've been living for years fruitlessly and no matter what you did you cannot achieve what you're trying to achieve you're spinning your wheels constantly you're constantly struggling and struggling to make this work you press on when you're in that dark night of the soul and and you feel like there's no reason to go on there is no way that I can ever be worth anything and, and you're seriously considering about doing something about that you press on that's what we do. When, when you're racked by guilt, when you're racked by shame, when you're racked by failure at, at how miserable you are as a human being, you press on. When you're alone, when you're depressed, when you're ashamed, and you feel like you don't deserve the love of anyone, you press on. When it seems like you can't go on, you press on, no matter what. That's what we call this series because that's one of the, 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 the overwhelming ideas in Philippians. No matter what. If, if, if you don't learn anything else, if you don't take anything else away from this, when you leave, I want you to hear this word from the Lord. No matter what, you press on. You press on to take hold of the thing that Jesus Christ has already taken hold of you for. You can't deserve it. You can't earn it. We don't do it to earn it. We do it to take hold of it because he's already took hold of me. And I press on no matter what. Meriwether Lewis could have given up. Nobody would have thought bad of him. He could have stopped at that moment, gone back to Washington, and told Jefferson everybody was wrong. 300 years, everybody was wrong. 
You need to send another group that's better equipped for traversing mountains. My group was trying to take canoes. But he didn't. He pressed on. And now, Lewis and Clark are forever synonymous with that spirit, that core of discovery, that spirit of adventure. Their names alone convey that spirit of exploration because they pressed on. Paul says this idea, this way of thinking, understanding grace, understanding that I can't earn it, but yet I still strive for it, is is mature thinking. Not old. I've known a lot of people who were advanced in years but weren't spiritually mature. Not old, mature. All of us then, verse 15, who are mature should take such a view of things. And I love the way he handles his detractors. Read this. And if on some point you think differently, then that too God will make clear to you. If you disagree with me, it's okay. God will show you how you're wrong one day. I love that. I'm not Paul. I can't get away with that. Understanding that grace saves us is spiritually mature thinking. And look at verse 16, though. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. It's the same thing he said earlier. Remember in chapter 1, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. We don't live righteously to earn our calling. We live righteously because of our calling. We, We don't live righteously to somehow deserve our salvation. We live righteously because we have been saved. We we don't press on because we're going to work our way into heaven. We press on to glorify the one who has already taken hold of us for his kingdom. Live up to what we have already attained. This morning we're going to say a prayer. And normally we would ask for an invitation. And we're still going to do that. We're still going to offer an opportunity for you to respond to the invitation because we believe that's important. But this morning, we're going to do a prayer. Now, don't get me confused. This is not the sinner's prayer. That's not scriptural. This is, this is something else. I want to pray because I think there are people out there right now who are listening to this message somewhere, and they are at that moment where they're trying to decide whether to press on or not. And, and we want to help them. We believe here at Huntsville Church Christ that prayer is the work of the church. We believe that prayer is one of the things that we're called for and to do. And, and we believe that very strongly, and we pray a lot. And that's what we want to be. That's who we want to be. And so this morning, we want to join with you, whoever you are, wherever you are in prayer. And we want to lift you up so that, so that we don't have to know the details of what's going on in your dark night. That doesn't matter. But our collective amen will be this group there, here, of saints lifting up their prayers in agreement with you as you call on God to send His Spirit into your life. We're going to say a prayer together. And and if you're in that moment, I want you to join us in prayer. I want you to join us and cry out to God. He already knows. You're not telling him anything he doesn't already know. We're going to bow together. We're going to pray together. And then we'll have our invitation. Bow with me, please.
Our Father in heaven, we praise you. We glorify you. We lift you up because of the amazing work of your salvation. The amazing way that you took hold of us when we were dead in our trespasses. While we were in our darkest moments, you were taking hold of us. Not because we deserved it. Not because we earned it. But because you love us for who we are. Lord, this morning, we're lifting up prayers to you. We're lifting up prayers from those who are struggling in a dark moment. Struggling with whether to press on. We ask, Lord, that you send your spirit upon them and that, that you convict them, that you call them to repentance, that that individual right now who's lifting up those cares and those concerns and that guilt and that shame to you, that, that you hear that repentance, you hear that confession. And Lord, send your spirit on them to further convict them, that, that as that confession goes forth that we not merely confess sins but but that they confess your name publicly they confess Jesus Christ as Lord and then in that confession submit to you through baptism that we are buried and raised into a new life Lord I I, I pray that we pray that this morning that wherever whoever is lifting up those cares to you right now you help them press on to, to attain, to, to, to take hold of that for which you took hold of them. We need you, Lord. We can't do this without you. And we lift ourselves, we lift the others up to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray all together. Amen. If you're here this morning and, and you want to do that, you want to